This is the Radio Bible Class, and I'm your host, Tim Carter. We welcome you to our Bible study as a radio Bible class streams across the nation and around the world. We bring to you a message how Christ ministers to his disciples after the resurrection. We greet you on the internet and radio with a message that Jesus is alive today. Now, today's lesson is titled, Lust or Love, and it comes from 2 Samuel 13, verses 1 through 22. But before we start our lesson today, Word Talk Inc. could use your support. Now, playing music on the radio may sound simple, but actually it's quite costly due to publishing rights and royalties. And before that first song is ever played, there's utility bills and tire rental fees and maintenance and so forth. We need people just like you to help with a tax-deductible gift. So won't you do that today? You can do that by calling us at 601-483-8648. And there they can take your information safely and securely over the phone. Or mail us your gift to Word Talk, Inc., P.O. Box 4334, Meridian, Mississippi, 39304. Now, your gift to Word Talk, Inc. is IRS approved as a 501c3 tax-exempt ministry. Your contribution is never used for salaries or managerial purposes, but 100% of it goes to the expense providing the good news of Jesus Christ to our listening area. Hebrews 13.16 says, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. If you'd like to go back and listen to a previous lesson, you can do that by going to our podcast website. That's Radio Bible Class with no spaces between radiobibleclass.podbean.com or catch us wherever you listen to your podcast, whether that's iTunes, whether that's Spotify, whether that's Google or Amazon, wherever you're listening to your podcast, we're there too. Just search for WMER Radio Bible Class with no spaces between Radio Bible Class. For my regular listeners, you know we've been studying through the whole book of 1 Samuel, and now we're in the 2 Samuel. We're over halfway through with 2 Samuel. And 2 Samuel was all about David becoming king. And we saw him rise up to be the man after God's own heart and to hit a plateau. He subdued all his enemies that were to the north and to the south and to the east and to the west. But then we saw David all of a sudden make the fatal mistake that a lot of people do when they rise to power. They fall into sin. And a couple of weeks ago, we talked about that. We talked about how we need to control our thoughts, how there's good thoughts and there's bad thoughts, but sin always starts with a thought. And if you do sin, that there is a consequence. Sin has a consequence even though God forgives us of that sin. And so we should be quick to confess our sin, and we don't need to cover it up. And we learned that from David. And last, that God disapproves sin. God was disappointed in the sin. God still loved David. David was still going to be the man that God wanted him to be, but he was disappointed in what David had done. And you and I could say the same thing, that God sometimes gets disappointed in us because we're broken and we fall and we sin. But God was disappointed in sin. And then the last time we looked at 2 Samuel, we looked at you are the man. Well, the Lord had called Nathan out to come and talk to David. Now, Nathan was a smart priest, and he came and talked to him about a parable. And we saw the anger towards the sin that David heard about in this parable. And he understood this parable was probably true, and he was going to immediately find justice. And we talked about how we see the sin in other folks that are in our lives. We saw that Nathan told him, you are the man. And immediately David confessed and the Lord forgave him of his sin. And we saw that and we saw true repentance. But we also saw there was a price for the sin. And again, that goes back to there's a consequence that goes with our disobedience. And so last thing we saw before we wrapped up chapter 12 was God's favor was restored. 
But Nathan's prophecy that talked about the calamity that would come through the house of David, how the sword would rise up from his house, how that his wives would sleep with one of someone from his house publicly, all that we'll cover again today. We'll see that come to pass. I label this lesson lust or love. And you know, love can have lust in it, but lust never has love in it. Good mentor and a friend of mine, Dr. Danny Lanier, right over at Northcrest Baptist Church, told me that when you go verse by verse through the Bible, the way we teach it here at the radio Bible class, that you'll cover every topic that God wants us. And unless you skip verses, you cover stuff that some pastors never preach on. And today we're going to cover a subject not only that is timely for today, but goes all the way back to David's time. To me, today's lesson could be one of the most heartbreaking texts in all the Bible. And from the title of the lesson, Lust or Love, you may start to understand that this is about Amnon raping Tamar. As I prepared for this lesson, I had some statistics I wanted to give you real quick about rape. Rape is a global problem. And not only is it a global problem, but it is a problem in the United States. Rape is a violent crime, and it's when someone makes you have a sexual relationship or sexual activity that you did not consent to. Looking at a poll from the National Intimate Partner and Sexual Violence Survey, it says that 43.6% of women and 24.8% of men have experienced some form of sexual violence in their lifetime. Of that 43% in this survey, over 2% said it had happened in the last 12 months. But more importantly, we're going to see today, and we'll talk about this, is that sadly, rape is widely unreported. The statistics that I give you are not always accurate because they don't have all the numbers of all the incidents because we don't know about the ones that aren't reported. And if we bring this home to Mississippi... The statistics show that 25 out of every 100,000 have reported to be raped. Now, if you think about that and you compare that to COVID, right now COVID is less than 25,000 out of 100. So there's more rapes going on than there is COVID that is going around here in the state of Mississippi. Well, let's turn and look at what the Bible teaches us through this story, this sad story in the Bible, in this particular passage of Scripture and let's see what we can learn from it. So if you would, turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 13. We'll start in verse 1. I'll be reading out of the ESV. Now Absalom, David's son, had a beautiful sister whose name was Tamar. And after a time, Amnon, David's son, loved her. And Amnon was so tormented that he made himself ill because of his sister Tamar. For she was a virgin, and it seemed impossible to Amnon to do anything to her. But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab and the son of Shema, David's brother. And Jonadab was a very crafty man. And he said to him, O son of the king, why are you so haggard morning after morning? Will you not tell me? Amnon said to him, I love Tamar, my brother's Absalom's sister. Jonadab said to him, Lie down on your bed and pretend to be ill. And when your father comes to see you, say to him, Let my sister Tamar come and give me bread to eat and prepare the food in my sight, that I may see it and eat it from her hand. 
So Amnon laid down and pretended to be ill, and when the king came to see him, Amnon said to the king, Please let my sister Tamar come and make a couple of cakes in my sight that I might eat from her hand. Then David sent home to Tamar, saying, Go to your brother Amnon's house and prepare food for him. So Tamar went to her brother Amnon's house, where he was lying down, and she took dough and kneaded it and made cakes in his sight and baked the cakes. And she took a pan and emptied it out and before him, and he refused to eat. And Amnon said, Send out everyone from me. So everyone went out of him. And then Amnon said to Tamar, Bring the food into my chamber that I may eat from your hand. And Tamar took the cakes that she had made and brought them into the chamber to Amnon, her brother. But when she brought them near him to eat, he took hold of her and said to her, Come lie with me, my sister. And she answered him, No, my brother, do not violate me, for such a thing is not done in Israel. Do not do this outrageous thing. As for me, where could I carry my shame? And as for you, you would be as one of the outrageous fools in Israel. Now, therefore, please speak to the king, for he will not withhold me from you. But he would not listen to her. And being stronger than she, he violated her and laid with her. Then Amnon hated her with a very great hatred, so that the hatred with which he hated her was greater than the love which he had loved her. And Amnon said to her, Get up and go. But she said to him, No, my brother, for this is wrong in sending me away. It's greater than the other that you have done to me. But he would not listen to her. He called the young men who served him and said, Put this woman out of my presence and bolt the door after her. And now she was wearing a long robe with sleeves, for thus were the virgin daughters of the king dressed. So the servants put her out and bolted the door after her. And Tamar put her ashes on her head and tore the long robe that she wore. And she laid her hand on her head and went away, crying aloud as she went. And her brother Absalom said to her, Has Amnon your brother been with you? Now hold your peace, my sister. He is your brother. Do not take this to heart. So Tamar lived a desolate woman in her brother Absalom's house. When King David heard of all these things, he was very angry. But Absalom spoke to Amnon neither good nor bad, but Absalom hated Amnon because he had violated his sister Tamar. Well, the first thing I want you to see is that lust is not love. Look back with me at verse 1 real quick. We have a couple of characters here we need to talk about. Absalom was David's second son. His first son was Amnon. But Absalom and Tamar were the brother and sister from his wife, Machai. He had married Machai because he wanted to make peace with the king from Gosher. So Machai was the daughter of the king of Gosher. And these were those two children. But as I said, Amnon was David's firstborn son. Now he was born from the wife Anohim, the Jezerite. And being the firstborn, that means he was the crown prince. He was first in line for the throne of the seed of Israel. Besides David, those are the three characters in this passage of Scripture. And so we see that Amnon... The son of David, he loved his sister, and her name was Tamar, and he loved her so much that he became lovesick. And to make things worse for him, it was more difficult for him because she was a virgin. The Bible tells us that. And that meant she was available for marriage. But Amnon knew that she wasn't available for marriage to him because back in those days, a marriage between a half-brother and a half-sister was forbidden. But it says in verse 2 that Amnon was tormented to the point he was lovesick over his sister Tamar. Unfortunately, this love or this lovesickness really wasn't love. It was unbridled lust. 
And we can see that by turning over to 1 Corinthians 13. Starting in verse 4, it tells us that love is patient and it's kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. What happened in this story? It insisted on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. What happened afterwards? It sent her away. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing. We see wrongdoing here, but it rejoices in the truth. Love beareth all things, it believes all things, it hopes all things, it endures all things, and love never ends. By looking at this one little passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians 13, we see that this was not love. It was true unbridled lust. And because of the lust, we see a wrongdoing that happens. And this wrongdoing unfolds when we see Amnon go to the wrong source. Whenever we have a problem, whatever it is, whether it's love, whether it's money, whether it's work, whether it's relationships, whatever our problem is, we should always go to God first. We should use the Bible as our first source of how we handle that. But that's not what happens here. Amnon does what most people do. They go to their friend. He goes to his cousin. That's who this is. Jonadab is his cousin. It's David's brother's son. And his cousin gives him advice that he shouldn't take. But he does. The Bible says he tells him that he loves Tamar. Now, like I said, we have shown you that it's really not love. Amnon lusted after Tamar, and he called it love. He certainly was not the last person that's ever done this, though. Lust often masquerades itself as love. And we have to be careful when people tell us they love us when it may just be a lust. It may be someone operating in their flesh and not out of true love. But I want to go back and read that last part of verse 4 with you. He says to Jonadab, I love Tamar, my brother's Absalom's sister. This guy has lust so bad he can't say my sister. He says, my brother's sister. Well, that makes her your sister. But he is so focused and he's so lovesick and he has so much unbridled lust that he can't even admit that she is his sister. But we see that Amnon gets this bad advice from Jonadab. He tells him to act like you're ill and have Tamar come fix a meal for you. And then you can act on your wicked thoughts. So we see that he puts on his best acting class. We see that he plans to sin. Now, I also want to point out Jonadab never told him to rape his sister. He just told him how he could be alone with her and he could probably tell her how he felt. But we see in the rest of the text that he puts on his best acting class and he plans to sin. You might say, well, Tim, did he know he was going to rape her? I don't know that he knew that. But first of all, he lied by acting like he was sick. That's a sin. Second, he tries to seduce her to lay with him and have out-of-marriage sex. That's a sin. And then we do know that he eventually rapes her. That's a sin. So he planned to sin. And it all started with a thought. That thought that we talked about, sin starts with a thought, came from Jonadab who gave him advice on how to act it out. The other thing I want you to understand is look how fast he followed that advice. How many times we do that? We follow the advice of the world when the, we don't do that with the Bible. People read the Bible. It tells us what we should do. And a lot of times we don't do that first. We don't follow that advice as fast as we see Amnon did. Anyhow, his plan works. He eventually gets her alone. Amnon eventually gets to Tamar and she's alone with him. And when she realizes what Amnon wants, she begs him to stop. Look at verse 12 with me. 
She answered him, No, my brother, do not violate me, for such a thing is not done in Israel. She's saying, Come on, dude, this is not right. We're brother and sister. Even the world, even all of Israel, nobody does this. But look at his response in verse 14. But he would not listen to her. Being stronger than she, he violated her and laid with her. And this is what happens when lust controls your life, when you're operating out of flesh. God has a plan for personal sexual fulfillment, and that's through marriage. And when we get it out of order, when we put ourselves in a situation, things happen that shouldn't happen. And here we see a rape that happened. Let me go on the record and just say that Tamar did nothing wrong. Too many times, the rape victim, whether it's a man or a woman, gets blamed for something they wore or putting themselves in a situation they shouldn't have. And even the victim sometimes feels like it's their fault. They should have known better. They shouldn't have been in that situation. But let me tell you that Tamar, what we learn from this passage of Scripture, did nothing wrong. And for those that may be listening to me that is a victim of rape, you probably did nothing wrong. You were just in the wrong place at the wrong time, and unfortunately something bad happened. But I want to tell you that you did nothing wrong. What happened was you were with someone that was all about self-gratification. They were all about me, me, me. They were all about operating in their flesh. They wanted their desire to be satisfied, and they could care less about the other person. Here is Amnon, who is the eldest and the king's son, who's probably gotten everything he's always wanted. And now here's something he wants that he can't have, and he's going to do everything he can to have self-fulfillment. He's never heard the word no. I mean, the Bible is not clear on this. It's absent in some of this, but I can tell you by the action, it's very common what you see in the real world. And so we have this person that is wanting something that he can't have, and so he ultimately makes a plan, and he acts on that plan, and he gets what he couldn't have. But we see that it wasn't love, because look at the last thing, how he responds. His response, we see in verse 15, is that all of a sudden he hated her with a great hatred. But I want you to see that there is an anger with sin. First of all, the sinner hates to sin. They may deny it, they may eventually just numb it, but the first time they sin, there is a conviction of it, and they hate the sin. And we see that Amnon hated her because of what he had done to her. Every time he looked at her, he knew the sin that he had created. And it made him hate her more than he loved her now, or more than he lusted after her. Also, he had now gotten what he couldn't have, and just like a little child, he wanted the next thing. He no longer wanted that toy. But I also want you to see the brother's response in verse 20. And her brother Absalom said to her, Has Amnon your brother been with you? Now hold your peace, my sister. He is your brother. Do not take this to heart. So Tamar lived a desolate woman in her brother's Absalom house. And then when King David heard of all these things, verse 21, he was very angry. But Absalom spoke to Amnon neither good or bad. But Absalom hated Amnon. So we see that King David in verse 21 was very angry over this. And we see that Absalom hated Amnon over this for what he did to Tamar. So again, sin brings this hatred. Her brother, I want you to notice, says, has Amnon, your brother, been with you? He understands something has gone wrong, and he immediately, maybe because King David, or, or maybe she told him that she had to go over to Amnon's house to fix him food or whatever, but he knew immediately something was wrong, and it created hate. 
Now, he told her, it's not your fault. Don't take it to heart. You did nothing wrong. He did the right thing. And she did the right thing, too. She reported it. She actually reported it to her brother. Now, she didn't report it to King David, even though King David does find out about it. That's the next thing. As a victim, hopefully you report what happens to you. A lot of commentators say she didn't report it to King David because we're going to see a repeated behavior here that King David was soft on his children. And right here, we find out in verse 21 that he finds out and he's mad, but he does absolutely nothing. Technically, Amnon should have to pay the bride price and he should have to marry. But David doesn't make that happen because that's not what's going on. It's not accepted in Israel at the time. And then some commentators say he does nothing about it because he doesn't want his son going, well, hey, you went ahead and slept with Bathsheba and you had her husband killed and then you married her. So what am I? How come you can get onto me, but you did the same thing? But we see the anger. And what I can tell you is, but for the dad or the mom or the brother or sister that knows what happened, It's not uncommon, and matter of fact, it's very common for them to react just like what Absalom did when he heard the news of his sister. But this hatred that you have towards the person that victimized your child or your brother or sister ostracizes you. It makes you pull away from the family. You get so focused on that hate that all of a sudden you no longer show the love that you should show. And the Bible teaches us that unrestrained anger or anger that would be towards this and not forgiving is a sin. Let me say to this, if I were to ask any of you to make a list of all the people that's hurt you, we probably all could sit down and make a long list of those that have caused pain in our life. Some come quicker than others. The Bible is quick to tell us to forgive those that hurt us. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, and forgiving one another as God has forgiven you. Jesus said in Luke 6.27, But I tell you who hear me, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. I know this is hard to hear because it is hard when we've been hurt as bad as we've seen this daughter get hurt. This brother is willing to commit murder. We'll see that he does. The Bible and Jesus teaches us right here that we are to pray for them. And if you're wondering how you should pray for them, the Lord's Prayer tells us, forgive those who trespass against me. I want you to notice something, though, when he tells us to forgive those who trespass against us. Where is the focus? The focus is on God. During this prayer that he's teaching us, our focus should be on God and not what happened to us. The only way to heal the hurt is to focus on God who can heal the hurt and not on the hurt itself. I'm running out of time, so let me say this real quick. The idea of forgiving and forget, which isn't easy to do, is for our own emotional and spiritual well-being. And the Bible tells us that we need to do it. Again, we saw in 1 Corinthians, when I read about love, that it keeps no record of wrong. If you look at 1 Peter 4, 8, it says it covers a multitude of sin. Love covers sin. We need to be mindful of those around us who hurt us but we need to forgive them. We need to be careful that we don't hang out with them anymore, but we need to forgive them. It's hard to do, but when we focus on God, he can help heal that hurt. I'm out of time, so I'm going to finish up looking back at where it says that when David found out, he was filled with anger. As I said, David didn't move. He never addressed the situation. It could be, like I said, that he was filled with guilt over his own sexual sin that he had not forgotten that he had done, even though God had forgiven him of it. 
And we have to be like the prophet Nathan. We do have to address sin. And Nathan came to him and addressed the sin. And even though David may have still felt guilty over his sin, and even though he had sin, it did not diminish his responsibility to enforce justice. He was both a father and a king. He was in charge of maintaining justice in his family and in his kingdom. And he should have done something. Whether he was personally compromised or not, he was responsible to do something and to act on this. But in this passage, we have seen that lust is not love. We've seen that we should look to the right source for advice. If you look to a bad source, you'll get bad advice. When we look to the world, we're going to get worldly advice. But when we should be looking to the Bible. And then we saw that we shouldn't plan to sin. We shouldn't act out on the bad advice. We should take what the Bible says and take any advice we get and make sure it aligns with the Bible. That's not what happened here. And so then we saw the sin take place and we saw the anger from different people. We saw that how that created sin among other people. And we're going to see even this play out as we finish up this chapter next week. But most importantly, we saw that David did not act in his authority that he was supposed to. And it was probably because out of his sin and his guilt, he had an opportunity to address this with Amnon and say, hey, I have sinned. I've sinned similar. If Amnon had put it in his face, he could have said, hey, I understand because I've walked in your shoes. I understand what happens when we don't restrain our, our flesh, when we act out of lust, and when we take and do things we shouldn't when we sin. And of course, Amnon never asks for forgiveness. He does this act. We'll see that he dies. We never see in the Bible that he addresses forgiveness. And he pretty much covers up his sin. He thinks he gets away with it, just like David thought he was going to get away with it. And just like some of you listen to me today may think you've gotten away with sin. What I can tell you is that God knows if nobody else knows. God knows about that sin, and you need to confess it and address it. Maybe your sin wasn't a violent act like rape that we saw today. Maybe it was simple as a lie. Maybe it was you took something you shouldn't have taken. Whatever your sin is that you think you've gotten away with, God knows that one day you will be judged against that. And the Bible teaches us that we have to confess our sin. In 1 John 1, 9, it gives us a promise. And I want to close with that today, that if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all our unrighteousness. Today, if you'll confess your sins, he is faithful and he will forgive you of that sin. And he will help you work through the sin and to overcome that sin. Will you believe that today? Will you confess your sin? Let us pray. Dearly Father, we come before you today, Lord. We thank you for our time together. Lord, this is a brutal act that we read about today. This is a heartbreaking part of Scripture. This is one way I know the Bible's true, is that this is a thing that normally wouldn't be put in the Bible. But here, even in something as brutal and heartbreaking as it is, we can learn from it. We can learn some lessons from it. We can learn that what love really is. We can learn what love really looks like. And sometimes our flesh, when we're acting out of our flesh, it puts us in a predicament that we get into that we really shouldn't be in. Lord, help us always to die to ourselves daily and to walk with you. Lord, help us to remember the scriptures and act in a way that won't put us in a situation that we shouldn't be in. Lord, I pray for the one today that may have been brutally raped. We looked at the statistic, 43% of women have been raped. Lord, I pray for those that 
the healing that you've already started will continue. Lord, I pray for them. Lord, this is something that's hard and may never be forgotten. Lord, it's not something that they can be easily dismissed. Lord, it's not easily forgiven. Lord, there's a lot of counseling that needs to take place. Lord, I pray for that one that has been a victim. Lord, I pray for the family members of that victim. Lord, that, that you would help them, even though they have the anger, Lord, that you will help them to forgive. Lord, that you will help them forgive the way you taught us to forgive. Lord, you'll help them focus on you. And Lord, let them remember that you can take lemons and make lemonade out of it. Lord, I, whatever happened and why it happened, sometimes we'll never understand till we get to heaven. But Lord, let them have a heart of forgiveness. Don't let it eat away at them like a cancer inside of them. Lord, help that family member and the victim to have a peace and forgiveness. And then, Lord, I pray for the, the person who did this act. Lord, I pray that they would confess their sin. Lord, maybe there's one listening today that has not confessed their sin. Lord, I pray today they will confess their sin to you, Lord. Your word teaches us that you'll forgive us if we'll confess. Lord, maybe there's one that doesn't know you. Your word also teaches us that if we will believe on your finished work on the cross, Lord, if we'll confess with our mouth that we need a Savior and you came and, and made the way to be our Savior, and we'll believe on that, Lord, and we'll confess it with our mouth that you will save us, and Lord, then that we need to chase after you. Lord, that it's not works that gets us into heaven. It's not what we do and how good we are. Lord, it's your mercy and our saving faith that gets us saved. It's the faith that we believe in that gets us saved. And then because of our salvation, we start doing good works. We start following your commands and we start becoming more like you every day. Lord, I thank you for all your many blessings. Lord, I thank you that you would just continue to bless this ministry. Lord, you'll lay it on the hearts of those that are listening that will send a gift, even if it's $10. Even if it's $5, Lord, they'll send a gift to keep this ministry afloat. Lord, we thank you. We love you for all that you do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.